Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Pastor Joaquin Evans. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. Well, you can all take your seats, and I'm going to welcome my favorite preacher, Mr. Joaquin Evans. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. We give you praise in this place, Jesus. Oh, I don't know if you love it or not, but I, I love it when uh, worship feels like a marathon, like a workout. I don't, I don't know if you, uh, if you guys remember, but like last year, somebody sent a, they made a post. They took a photo of their, their smartwatch during worship because they got an alert from their smartwatch that they completed their workout for the day. <laughs> during worship, come on. That's giving it all to Jesus. You know, at the end there, um, when, when, you know, it's just really breaking out and we're, people are dancing and we're going for it. I feel like God spoke to me and he said, you know, if you've gotten too big to be undone by the presence of God, then you've grown in the wrong direction. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes, sometimes our walk isn't about <laughs> what we're learning. Sometimes it's about what we're unlearning. Thank you, Jesus. But there's grace for both. And God is good, and he's here. Amen? And uh, before I go on, we're just going to release some of that grace right now. I just, I feel his goodness. I feel his presence. I just feel him leaning in right now. And how many people feel the love of God in here tonight? How many people feel the... (laughs) I just, I just got... (laughs) Do you ever get the sense God is so expecting he can't wait for you to get it out of your mouth? He's just like, <clears throat> how many people feel the grace of God in here? We're just going to release some of the goodness and grace of God. We've had some really powerful things happen over the last few weeks. He, he just keeps doing things. It hasn't stopped. But just really the last few weeks, he's done some powerful things. This happened a few weeks ago. Do you got that video uh, that you could put up there? This is just fun. Uh, what, what, what Jesus do for you? Oh my God, well the doctor had diagnosed me with this immune disorder and it causes me to have limited range of motion in my body. And so when I try to lift my arms up or even like high, I can't. So I would never be able to get really, or even if I can go up, I can go like this. And so today... Thank you, Jesus. Give him praise. It keeps going. That's first time visitor in the last week. We got this this testimony. Got to give Jesus some praise because what happened to my mom? Saturday night, she walked into church with a cane and walked out cane free. 
She had severe complications with her lungs due to being on a ventilator twice, a limp due to surgeries to repair a fractured pelvis, broken hip, and spinal fusion, frequent pain in her body, and more. But God. Her breathing is no longer labored and shallow. Deep breaths are now a gift. Her range of motion is better. She climbed three flights of stairs to my apartment with ease. (laughs) And the pain in her body is reduced. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. We got another testimony here. The last week, and this is an ongoing testimony. A couple of um, weeks ago, uh, a couple drove down from Oklahoma, and uh, she had uh, severe complications, physical limitations because of a uh, car accident. She got radically touched that night at church um, to de- debilitating before this, couldn't do normal activities with their family, was always in pain, got radically touched Saturday night at church. They spent the night. She woke up in the morning feeling so good. Instead of driving back to Oklahoma, they drove the opposite direction to the beach. And she sent a report saying that she was out in the waves, boogie boarding and swimming with her children in the waves. Her, listen, her grown daughter was weeping at service because of what God did for her mom in the service, family being restored. But then she sends this testimony this week, and she says, I'm just continuing to explore all that I can do now because of what Jesus had done for me. And so I was at the lake with my family this past weekend, swimming at the lake, up by wherever they live, I'm assuming. But the story goes on that while she's swimming in this lake, which she hadn't been able to do for three years, two young young, uh, children from part of another family group had drifted off from away from the other family, and it was a six-year-old and a four-year-old, and the four-year-old fell off whatever flotation they, thing they were on and started drowning. And they had gotten far enough away that the, other, the family didn't notice. Only the six-year-old but couldn't do anything. She was the only one close enough that noticed and could do anything. She dives in and rescues the four-year-old from drowning. And she sends a message. She sends a message saying, I could, I could not have done this three weeks ago. And she said, if it wasn't for what God did for me, I would have never been at the lake with my family. I would have never been swimming, and I would have never been had the physical ability to dive in and save this girl from drowning. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. He's a good God. He's a good God. He's a good God. <laughs> I got, got another message. Are you guys tired yet? <laughs> I got another. This is all in the last week. Got another message from a lady who said her mom and sister were visiting and they both got healed at church. The mom got healed of neuropathy in her feet. 70% healed, but this is the amazing part, and I actually love this part. She got prayer. That word was called out. Word of knowledge, that word was called out Saturday night. She received prayer for it, but she didn't feel any breakthrough in the moment. But she quotes, she says, the pastor said that even 2% is a miracle because it means God has entered the equation. And if we, what we give them thanks for will keep increasing. 
It doesn't all have to happen instantaneously in that moment. So she said, I just left giving thanks to God. And she said, I woke up in the morning with 70% feeling restored in my feet. Come on, thank you, Jesus. And th- look, we were sent a copy of the text thread between, <laughs> between the, 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 the mom and the sisters. And, and then the sister replied to the mom's text and said, that's amazing, mom, praise God. She said, I also got healing last night. I was healed of arthritis last night. And I also, she also received healing from neuropathy. Come on, thank you, Jesus. I've, you know, I've learned that in the kingdom when God is moving, look, we don't have to convince him to do what he's already decided to do, what he already gave his life to do. And when God is moving, sometimes our job is just to not stop him, just to let him keep moving. So how many people would like to see God pour out even more grace? Even more grace, even more grace, even more goodness, even more miracles. Listen, you saw that testimony, that lady, that video. What you didn't see is the seven other people who got healed in the room off of her testimony. Their shoulders got healed. Why? Because the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Thank you, Jesus. Whoa, thank you, Father. If you want to see Jesus pour out some grace tonight, can you just stand to your feet? And there's some things that I'm feeling specifically. Uh, damage to the neck uh, is being restored in Jesus' name. Damage to the neck, like, like really it was damaged from an accident, a fall, something of that nature, damage to the neck. <clears throat> I'm just reminded of, um, we've had, a, you wouldn't think that this many people in the world have damage, um, resist, uh, residual uh, symptoms from being kicked by a horse. <laughs> But I can't tell you how many people have been here, and I just was reminded of that. I don't know why. But if you were kicked by a horse, I'm sorry. But Jesus, no, Jesus is here to bring healing. Pain, complicated, restricted movement, damage in the neck. Um, oh, I forgot. Oh, there's so many. There's another one about fused disc that was healed while someone was laying in bed. Listen, fused vertebrae, fused disc, God's healing that. I... Um, uh, this morning while I was praying in this, I smelt the smell of birdie metal. I believe God wants to dissolve metal in people's bodies. Wants to dissolve it, wants to take it away. Listen, we've seen that happen not a dozen times, but hundreds of times. Hundreds of times. Thank you, Jesus. Um, damage in, in uh, the joint. I see the elbow inflammation damage in the joint, but God is just healing joints in general. We went after bone spurs last time, but I feel that again. Um, misalignment in the jaw. God is healing that right now. Tumors. Ho, shakaribaba. Sorry. I almost got excited. Tumors and growths and cancer, God is healing that right now in Jesus' name. Listen, anything, anything that was called out already that was mentioned, the testimony of the shoulder, rotator cuffs, neuropathy, nerve damage, any of those things, if you got any of those things and you believe that the grace of God is here right now, I want you to put your hand up. We're just going to release God's goodness. Oh, migraines, those were healed. Whiplash was healed uh, a week before last. 
Yeah. Now listen, we're just going to release his grace. So if you're around, if you, if you came with somebody who's got their hand up, you're together, you could put their hand on them. Listen, if you want people to pray for you, just wave, use your other hand to wave them over. If you don't want people to pray for you, just, just kind of wave them off like that. And we want to be respectful. But just, if, just gather around some people that you are able to. And uh, thank you, Jesus. And we're just going to release the grace of God. Whoa. Listen neuropathy being healed, fusions in the back, in the neck, in the spine, nerve damage being healed, misalignment in the jaw, lockjaw being healed. Oh, deviated septums. Whew. Hey, I didn't call it earlier. That's you. Just wait. Just grab someone next to you and just say, that's me. Deviated septums, even, even the inability to smell, even the inability to smell, <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. So listen, I know you already started, but I just want you to hear this. There's two rules to praying. There's two rules to praying in this house. Rule number one is you're not allowed to try hard. Why? Because it's not your ability, it's his grace. Somebody out loud say grace. grace. And rule number two is you have to have fun. Whoa, go, you got 20 seconds to have fun releasing the presence of God over someone right now. Now listen, if you're near someone and they're praying and they don't look like they're having fun, pinch them and tell them they're doing it wrong. <laughs> I'm half joking, half joking. <laughs> have fun releasing the presence of God on somebody's body right now. And now... And now speak to the neuropathy and tell it to go right now. Speak to the restricted mobility and tell it to go. Speak to the migraine and tell it to go. Speak to the jaw pain and the misalignment and tell it. Speak to it right now in the authority of Jesus while you're still having fun and say, I come. Listen, I'm going to give you a hint right now. Ready? Say, I command you to jump off in Jesus' name. Neck pain, go right now. Fusions disappear right now. Metal dissolve in the name of Jesus. Lumps from, from screws and pins disappear, dissolve right now in the name of Jesus. And knees, I know this is an add-on, but that's okay. In the kingdom, there's always, there's more than enough. Um, ligaments in the knee be healed right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Migraines, go in Jesus' name. Whoo, okay, thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> hey, all right, if you just had fun releasing the grace of God, can you give Jesus praise right now? Don't sit down. Don't sit down. Stay standing. Come on, if you really had fun, give Jesus praise. Thank you, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, and you should have your Bibles, then open your Bible to James chapter 4. Well, you know, we are, <clears throat> there's a momentum that's, that is growing and increasing. And it's not something that's just coming those testimonies were just some of the testimonies that God has done recently. They, there, is, there, is, there is a groundswell that is happening and increasing. But I believe that there's a big increase coming upon us. Anyone hungry for big increase in the presence and the nature of God? I'm hungry. 
I'm hungry for big increase. And I think God is hungry even more than any of us to have a place where he can release big increase. He's a big God. I feel like that there is, that there is a move of God that is, that is not just going to flow, but is going to overtake this place. I'll put it this way. It's, it is God's heart and his intent just to overtake Austin with his presence, with his goodness. There is an increase. You know, if you've ever been, been surfing, the set, the set of waves, there's an increase coming. And a, and a good surfer sits and, and they'll let a good set pass. They'll let, they'll let, they'll let the medium waves go because they can feel it. There's something bigger. Something bigger on the way. <clears throat> I believe that God is getting ready to release something bigger. And I want to speak to some things that, that precede, that always precede a move of God. And, uh, you know, last week, Pastor Eddie had a great, a great word for us. Just resetting our hearts in, in this season. And the week before that, Renee preached an amazing word on the history of revival. How many people just love that, <laughs> hearing more about revival? But there's, there's three things that always precede a move of God. And tonight I'm going to talk about the message is humble, hungry, and broken. Humble, hungry, and broken. These things always go before a move of God. Humble. The Webster's definition is not proud or haughty, not arrogant or assertive. Also, reflecting, expressing, or offered, something offered in a spirit of deference or submission. But how many people know the kingdom version of humble is way more than the world's definition? The, the kingdom definition of humble doesn't end where the world's definition does. Can I get an amen to that? And I want to... We're going to read some verses, and then we're going to dive in. In James, if you're there, just say, I love Jesus. In James 4, starting in verse 5, it says this, Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? But he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace. Someone say grace. grace. Grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. 
First Peter says something similar. Likewise, First Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you. Be submissive to one another. Be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves. I love this verse. <laughs> Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. That, me, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Thank you, Jesus. Second Chronicles 7.14, Pastor Eddie hit it last week. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and will heal their land. A couple more. Matthew 23, 11, the greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Psalms 149, 4, for the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns, you ready for this one? I love this one too. For the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. Last one, Proverbs 22, 4. Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor and life. Wow. You know, humility is so key in the kingdom of heaven because it's no secret that it's not about us. It's about him. How many people have figured out by now that you can't do it in your own strength <laughs> and your own ability? That we're not going to get this thing done in our own capacity. That it, God's not calling us to do it out of our own natural ability. He's calling us to be given and yielded and surrendered to him so that he can do it in and through us. Amen? Humility is so important to God. <clears throat> And it precedes a move of God. A recap of some of the things we just touched on. Humility receives grace from God. Humility receives a crowning of victory. Humility comes before a lifting up and an exalting. The return on humility or the wages are riches, honor, and life. Thank you, Jesus. I said it already, but kingdom humility doesn't end where world, the world's version of humility ends. The outcome of kingdom humility is not weakness, but access to supernatural strength. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> where the world's definition is to not be assertive or arrogant and coming in a spirit of submission and deference. The kingdom version does not end there, but says, while I can't do it in myself, but by grace, I'm connected to another who can. Do you know that the Bible tells us that the veil, when Jesus died on the cross, the veil was torn from top to bottom. Do you know that humility, humility positions us next to the veil. 
the humility is our, our all-access pass into the veil and what Jesus has provided. Thank you, Father. It's our all-access pass. Do you know who's on the other side of the veil? The omnipotent one, the omnipotent one, the all-powerful one. He's the one on the other side of the veil. He's the one that tore the veil. He's the one who's invited us to draw near. He's the one who's whispering with a still, small voice that is saying to you, all that I have is yours. But you know, to get through the veil, you have to come low. <laughs> like a camel getting through the eye of the needle. <laughs> We're not going to get all that he has from us if we come with pride and we come in arrogance saying, oh, I've got this, God. You know what he's going to say? Go ahead. I'll stand back and watch. Let's see how this works out. Don't worry. You'll go around the mountain again. <laughs> yep, you'll go around the mountain yet again and again. One of the times you're going to get it figured out, <laughs> and you're going to come in lowness of heart to receive all that I have for you. Thank you, Jesus. Do you know humility is being some, our life being submitted to another. And that's a scary thought if you don't know the character and the nature of the one that you're submitting to. If, you're, if your life is submitted to a king, whatever that king says goes for your life. And that's scary in the natural. I'm like, oh, I'm going in to see the king today. I hope he's in a good mood. <laughs> Why aren't you glad our God is always in a good mood? Yeah. Listen, in the natural, you go in to see the king, and who knows what's going to happen? If the king says to you, prison for the rest of your life, guess where you're going? If the king says to you, for the rest of your life, you're feeding slop to the pigs. The rest of your life is feeding slop to the pigs. <laughs> but if your king, if our king, who is always in a good mood, who is the king of kings, who is glorious and wonderful and the lover of your soul and the one who breathed life into you in the first place. He's the one who calls himself father because he loves you as a child. When you come before that king, you come low. That's your only access pass. But then when your king says to you, okay, your job now is to stand up in my name to rule and reign. My brother got it. Thank you, Jahi. <laughs> Listen, if the king says to prison you go, guess where you have to go? If the king says to the pigs you have to go, guess where you have to go? But what happens when your king says go and rule and reign? But some of us go, I'm not sure where I'm supposed to go. <laughs> Listen, humility isn't just the ability to come in low. The humility is also the ability to accept the assignment that he's given. 
Woo. We serve a glorious king. Thank you. And he's looking for people who will say yes to his assignment. Even when the assignment is beyond their ability. And I have a secret for you. The assignment is beyond your ability. (laughs) But that's the whole beauty of this thing. He calls you into what you can't do, but then he empowers you to do it anyway. By his grace. Somebody say grace. Because he gives grace to the humble. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Paul puts it this way. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Oh, man. The fact that I don't have the ability, but I recognize it, the fact that I don't have the strength, but I, but I understand that. The fact that I don't have those things, but I know it, but I come to him anyway. And I say, God, I can't do it, but I know you can. Let's go. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. That his power is made perfect in weakness. In Philippians, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And I've taught on this many times, but, but that word strengthen is, is in dunamo. It's in and power, but not just like strength, muscle strength, but dynamic, where we get our English word dynamite. I can do all things through Christ who puts his dynamite inside of me and says, go get it. Go rule and reign. How many people know that when you enter the veil, you come out different? (laughs) That when you touch something that's more powerful than yourself, if you're submitted, come on, I'm talking about what precedes a move of God. He, does, he doesn't need a bunch of, uh, listen, there's nothing wrong with, with being intellectual, but that's not what he needs. You know, Catherine Kuhlman is famous for saying, God isn't looking for golden vessels or silver vessels. He's looking for yielded vessels. <laughs> when you touch something that is more powerful than yourself, you're supposed to come out different. How many people know if you take a metal fork and you stick it in the wall socket? How many people know you come out different? How many people know you're changed in a moment, in an instant? Listen, we got our oldest is seven, our youngest is three. I can't tell you how many times in the last seven years we've said, don't stick that in there. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Stay away from that. No, we got the protectors in there all over the house, and then they figure out how to get them out, and you're like, what are you doing? How many people know in the world you're not supposed to stick it in the socket? Yeah. But aren't you glad that the kingdom is upside down? 
In the kingdom, you're supposed to stick it in the socket. God is inviting you to be electrocuted. <laughs> Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who puts his dynamic working power inside of me. Dynamic working power sounds like a metal fork in a wall outlet. Listen, how many people know that's not like I rubbed you on the back and said, hey, it's, you're going to do better tomorrow. <laughs> oh, ah, I feel different. <laughs> I feel like I could transform some things. <clears throat> is that pride or is it humility? Because you can only actually step in when you come low. <laughs> you can actually only see, see bodies healed when you know you don't have the ability to see bodies healed. I would tell people all the time, you know, I, I ran the healing rooms and healing schools and healing ministries and healing outreaches and healing... For about six years, I realized that everything that I did, everything I was employed to do had the word healing in the title. But I used to love to tell people, I said, this is my whole full-time job is to heal the sick. There's only one problem with that. I don't know how to heal the sick. <laughs> but I know how to hang out with the one who does. Aren't you glad he's better at his job than we are at ours? Thank you, Jesus. Whew. Humble, hungry, and broken. How many people know that in the kingdom, hunger and humility have to go hand in hand? Two people? <laughs> I asked it as a question. Now I'll just make it a statement. In the kingdom, <laughs> humility and hunger have to go hand in hand. <laughs> because, because humility without hunger is passive. And I'm not saying it's bad. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying it's not going to accomplish everything it's called you to on its own. <clears throat> because, because humility is what gets you to the veil, through the veil, but hunger is what makes you stick the fork in the socket. I mean, we've all we've all been there. We've all seen people there. We're like, uh, we're like you, you're in the veil. You're there. You're at the door. You're 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 there, and you're like, you got the fork, and you're like, I, I don't know if that's for me. I don't know if he's calling me. I don't know. I don't know. He, he, heal people, save people, preach, tell people. I don't know. I don't, no, just stick it in the socket. You're, you're humble, now get hungry. Humble and hungry have to go hand in hand. 
Hungry alone won't get you there. Because grace is only extended to the humble. You, hunger have you doing laps around the tent and not being able to find the opening. They didn't get it. That's okay. <laughs> Matthew 5, 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Somebody say filled. That word filled is, is, is probably more fully satisfied. Some versions say satisfied. Because you can be filled, physically filled on a, off of something you don't desire. But that's not the context. God is filling you with that that you hunger for. The word is that he, those who hunger and thirst, <laughs> but there's a key in there, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Well, that translation is actually, it's actually um, salvation or his redemptive nature. It's, it's, his, it's his saving grace at work in the world. I'll, tr I'll try over here. It's being hungry for God's redemptive nature at work in the world. Those who hunger and thirst to see, continually see his redemptive nature at work in the world will be satisfied. Thank you, Jesus. Hmm. They have to work hand in hand. The, Ren Renee preached that message two weeks ago on Revival history, and if you weren't here, you can go watch it. You can get the podcast. It's it's worth it. But she talked about several revivalists. She talked about William Seymour, an African American man who who in the early 1900s he had to sit outside of the door of the Bible College of Charles Parham, where they were experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He was so hungry for that and to know more. He tried to get into the Bible college, but because he was black, they said, you can't come in. Well, he said, I'm not leaving. Why? Because he was hungry. And they said, okay, well, then you can listen from outside the door. And he put his desk outside the door and listened. Now, now let me ask you something. Is that, is that humble or is that hungry? Yes. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Evan Roberts, who was the catalyst for the Welsh revival that spread all over the world. And the Welsh revivalist was the catalyst for Azusa Street, William Seymour, we just talked about. The revival impacted hundreds upon hundreds of thousands, millions. Evan Roberts, the his prayer, his prayer that, that ignited the Welsh revival was, bend us, God. Bend us, God. He cried out. And it didn't start with one one-sentence one prayer. He'd been praying for years and years and having encounters in his bedroom and being taken into heaven. But the revival broke out. God had been doing something deep in him in those encounters. So he was at a church service, and he asked, to, he asked to preach. He'd been asking the pastor of this church to preach, and the pastor wasn't quite sure because he, he was a young man, and he was zealous, but he didn't know. So he said, hey, after service, 
next weekend, you can take anyone who's interested and you can go in the side room and you can preach to them. I mean, you know, that's a big vote of confidence right there. <laughs> but isn't it just like God to come to the back room where the hum hungry, humble, and broken and Evan Roberts with a handful of people, like in the teens, handful of people back there, and he just stood up and prayer, prayed, bend us, God. And the Holy Spirit blew through. They stuck the fork in the socket, and history has never been the same again. Our, already used, quoted Catherine Kuhlman, God's not looking for golden vessels or silver vessels, but for yielded vessels. Humility positions us under the downspout of blessing, but it's hunger that pulls the cord. Thank you, Jesus. Brokenness. Revival comes to those who have burned all of their bridges. Revival comes to those who have burned all of their bridges. You know, in the kingdom, in the kingdom, we're not supposed to have one foot in this camp and one foot in this camp. We're not supposed to be concerned with the cares of this world. Seek first my kingdom Seek first the kingdom and my righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. When will they be added? When you let go of them, you stop caring about them, you stop pursuing them, you stop needing them, you stop letting them own you. And you fully let go, and you go hungry and humble and low, and you stick the fork in the socket, and you start getting electrocuted, you're transformed, and then all these things start falling into place, and you don't even know how it happened. Oh, Revival comes to those who have burned all of their bridges. What does that mean? It means I have no options left. I have no options left. I have stepped so far out of the boat that if Jesus doesn't show up, I sink. That I routinely put myself out there in a place where God has to show up. Thank you, Jesus. Whoa. Thank you, Jesus. I was, I've told this story before. We've had so many, God do so many uh, just amazing things. And preaching in Africa in a, in a, tin, in a tin church in a lightning storm. And <laughs> God, if you don't show up, we're all going to die. But he does show up. And we don't get through worship until miracles start breaking out of the, the place and people are falling out in the spirit. No one's touching them. A 16-year-old girl who can't walk to the service already happened. She comes through the back doors. Two, two young men carrying her. She gets two steps in the door. Bam, hits the floor. She's out for two hours. The entire service. It's all over before she wakes up. She wakes up and starts walking around. And the people who are left start going crazy. We don't even know what's happened. You know? We're like, what's going on? And we find out that she was born with spinal bifida, 16, never been able to walk in her own life, and now she's walking. 
Why? Because God showed up. <laughs> You've heard me tell this one before, but it just applies. It's just at the mall in, in Germany, and, uh, and just like Renee was shoe shopping. She was still under the anointing, but my anointing had lifted. And, uh, and I was... I was outside. She was in the shoe store, and I was just at the, sitting on the bench with, with some of our ministry team, and, and, I, and I realized our ride was scheduled to come pick us up in five minutes. And I'm like, oh, we got five more minutes to sit there. And we're just sitting there twiddling our thumbs, and then I realized, I said, you know what? We got five minutes. We could sit here and do nothing, or we could re release revival. And then, you know, sometimes it's better to act first and think second. And right then I look up, and there's a group of teenage boys going by. And I yell at the group of boys. I said, hey. I said, hey, you guys right there. I said, hey, hold on for a second. I said, I got an encouraging word for you. I pointed out the, 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 the one who was kind of the leader of the pack, so to speak, you know. I said, I looked at him. I said, hey, you're, I got an encouraging word for you. He said, yeah, what's that mean? And at that moment, I'm thinking, I don't know. <laughs> Literally, I just, I just threw it out there. <laughs> I didn't have a prophetic word. I didn't have a word of knowledge. I didn't even have a scripture that was, like, coming to mind. I just, like, had to do something. And then I'm like, he's like, well, wh what's that? And I'm like, uh, what am I going to do now? What am I going to do now? I'm like, i got to buy myself some more time. So I said, you know what? In fact, I got an encouraging word for every one of you. <laughs> Listen, sometimes you just need to take your shovel out and start digging a hole and ask God to fill it. Help. And if he doesn't respond, then just dig deeper. Help. And so I said, come over here real quick. And uh, I said, let's get someone to translate because I, I don't want you guys to miss anything I'm saying. Spying more time. But pretty soon it starts flowing. I start prophesying. He starts getting rocked. He looks at me and says, can you do that for my friend? Prophesy over him. They all start getting rocked. They're like, this is crazy. How do you know this stuff? I said, it's because God loves you, and I love him, and he knows everything about you. And then they start getting healed of stuff, praying for each other. <clears throat> then two older kids who know them come by, and they're like, what are you doing? And... <sighs> I look at the older kid in a, like, well, not even kid, probably 24, same community, knows these younger kids, and he's, like, protective. He's like, what's going on over here? And I said, hey, you got pain that's in your thigh. It shoots down in your, through your, uh, through your thigh, don't you? He said, yeah, how'd you know that? I said, oh, it's God. He loves you. <laughs> he's, I said, let me pray for you. And, and he's like, I'm not sure, but as I was reaching out, I said, whoa, what's that? I felt electricity go down my leg. He got totally healed. <laughs> the, Listen, they, all eight of them, it was eight, uh, the two, six of them, two older ones came in, they all gave their life to Jesus, plus two girls who were watching the whole thing happen. <clears throat> Listen, brokenness, you got to come humble and you got to come hungry, but there's another level. There's another level 
When you don't just come, but you come and you light your, your bridges on fire behind you. How many people know that everything that's connecting to you to the world is made of timber anyway? It's made of kindling. God wants it to go up in flames. Brokenness is refusing to pull the fork out of the outlet, even when people are telling you you're going to die. But you're not afraid to die to yourself because you know power only flows through resurrected things. I got more stories, but I don't think we need them. <laughs> you're not afraid. You're not afraid to die to yourself. Can I get the team up? You're not afraid to die to yourself because you know power only flows through resurrected things. So, you know, in the world, fear masquerades as wisdom. Oh, oh, I know you've been going to church. I know you've been reading your Bible. I know you've heard about some stories, but I, oh, I don't know. That, you shouldn't stick your fork in the outlet. That doesn't look safe. Oh, I don't know if I would do that. I'm not sure what the outcome's going to be. I'm not sure if you're going to survive that. Well, guess what? You're not supposed to. Power only flows through resurrected things. But to be resurrected, you have to die. To yourself, to your flesh, to the purposes of God, to the promises of God. Listen, he's not just calling you to, to sniff around the outlet. He's not calling you to watch other people who have the fork in the outlet. He's not calling you just to meander like... He's asking you to stick it in and then break it off. Stick it in and break it off and say, God, I've got nothing left. I'm all yours. God, I don't care if people laugh at me. Oh, I've got so many stories. Listen, if you can't name the moment that God broke you, it's probably because it hasn't happened. And listen, that's okay. It's not the end of the story. It's just the invitation. I got so many stories. I got big stories, but God's, God's not just in the big stories. I remember the first year I was saved, I was walking down the street. This is 20 years ago, and I'm walking down the street, and I got, I got headphones. I got a walk, man. <laughs> and I'm listening listen to worship. I'm just praying. I'm walking down a, 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 a main thoroughfare. I'm listening to worship, and I'm, and uh, actually, I think I was listening to Heidi Baker, actually. 
And I'm like, God, I just give it all to you, God. It doesn't matter. I, I just surrender it all. I give you my dignity for yours, God. I just, this is a little story. But God's in the little stories as well as the big stories. I said, God, I surrendered all to you in worship. He said, is that true? I said, yes. He said, will you lay down right here on the sidewalk and surrender to me? Is it a big story? No. But would you do it? I prostrate myself on the sidewalk and worship to him for no reason. There was no miracle story that, that came after it. No one pulled over and said, what are you doing? And they got saved. No, it wasn't that story. It was all the thousands of stories that have come as a result of being dead to self, of being surrendered fully to him. God, you say, pick up your family and move to Austin and start a church. And, oh, I hope this works. Let's go. God, you say, go to Africa. We're looking at a tin, a tin, a metal building. Small, little, tight, but metal and thunder and lightning so bad that the van is shaking. And we're in the van as a team going, are we going in that building? We're like, oh, I don't know what to do. Let's pray. And we just start worshiping and praying, worshiping and worshiping in the van with the rubber tires. Let's say, but we're like worshiping. The presence of God comes. And we're in the van. People are falling out of the seats in the van. Like, oh, God's here. Like, God, what do you say? And he says, go, I'm with you. Okay, here we go. Step out of the boat. Preach in the tin church. Power of God comes. Girl in the back door. Gets up, spinal bifida healed. We're in the bush of, the bush bush of South Africa. The bush bush. Way out. In the night service, we drive her home after the service. And we're just so enthralled with what God did for her. And we're talking to her for so long after the service. And we're like, hey, it's late. Can we take you home? She says, yes, that would be great. Her and her two cousins. And like, where do you live? And she says, not far from here. I said, okay, great. Hop in the van. We start driving down dirt roads with no street signs, no stoplights. You make turns at the tree or the bush or the rock. 45 minutes into the drive, she's like, um, where do you where do you live? Uh, not far, not far from here. Keep going. An hour and a half driving deeper into the bush, we pull up at her grandmother's house. After midnight, her grandmother walks out of the hut, and her grandmother is the local witch doctor. And my friend, it's a very timid individual. I'm Chris Overstreet. He rolls down the window of the van. He says, "You're a witch doctor." And then the van door opens up, and her, her granddaughter gets out of the van and walks under her own power for the first time since birth. And the grandmother, through translation, says, what just happened to my granddaughter? We said, let us come in, and we'll tell you. Go into the witch doctor's house. We preach the gospel. The whole family gets born again. Yeah. 
Listen, there's three things that precede every move of God. Humility, hunger, and brokenness. God's inviting you. God's inviting you to bring your fork. He's inviting you to burn your bridges. If you believe that God is moving powerful, powerfully and it's just going to keep increasing, I want you to stand your feet. There are some people in the room that are about to have the most amazing stories you could ever imagine. Why? Because you have a king that you're submitted to, that you're coming in low and you're coming in humble and you're saying, your will be done. My life is yours. Have all of me. Whatever you say, it will be done. If it's prison, I'm going to prison. If it's the pigs, I'm going to the prigs. But wait, what is it that you say? Go out and in your name rule and reign. I don't know how to do that. I don't have the ability to do that. And he's saying, that's okay. If you'll burn your bridges, I will touch you. It's not reserved for those who have one foot in and one foot out. If you will burn your bridges, I will electrocute you. With the transforming grace and the transforming love the transforming power that changes everything, not because you have the ability, you don't. Not because you have the wisdom, you don't. Not because you have the strength, you don't, but because you have the surrender to say, my life for yours. There's some people that you've dabbled with the fork and the outlet, but he's calling you to break it off. No other options. Leave everything else behind. Come on, your dignity is probably one of the biggest things. What are people going to think if I step out and it doesn't work? I don't know. If you're dead, you don't care. There's a bigger set coming. The team's going to sing. If you want to come, God's going to electrocute some people with his love. He's going to melt away apprehension. He's going to melt away. Fear, he's going to melt away. Doubt, he's going to melt away double-mindedness right now, but you got to give it to him. Don't give it to me. I'm not the one. And if you need to go, be blessed to go. There will be a ministry team available in a bit to pray for people who came for prayer. The team's going to sing over you. Come, come stick your fork in the outlet. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.